0: Fishing maybe, I think it's white perch fishing. My grandfather was a big white perch fisherman. He, he, My dad's from Natchez, Mississippi, and his father was a big fisherman. And my grandfather was to fill a cooler up with white perch and fill the freezer. And I remember just real early on a, a white perch fishing trip, all those perch going into a red igloo cooler. And there were a bunch of real Cokes. Is uh, what I remember. It smells like a real Coke. That memory does. So yeah, I remember er- early, early on perch fishing. So
1: that's funny because when we lived in Michigan, we would perch fish with my grandfather and my dad. We'd yeah. go out into Saginaw Bay and just Basically, you put three hooks on a spinning rod and just dump it over and pull it up. And there are three on there for some reason.
0: Yeah, eager fish to catch. Yes, yeah. yes. I don't.
1: Yeah. I don't even know if we. I'm sure we had some type of bait on it, but. I don't remember what it was, but I swear it almost seemed like going out in the ocean and picking yeah,
0: up. Yeah, I have no memory of the technique, just that there were a lot of fish and, <laughs> and real Cokes, and I was real little, so.
1: So did you all eat them later? Yeah, you used have a freezer
0: full, so I remember that. was. It's been quite a long time now, but that was, that was a good memory.
1: That's back when we fried everything. Yeah. Yeah, which is fantastic. Not healthy anymore. But no, not healthy at no. all, but really good. Delicious. <laughs> all right, well, welcome in, folks. I'm talking to Blake Parsons, and Blake is the current president of the Music City chapter of Trout Unlimited. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Blake. Thanks for having me. We are sitting downtown Nashville, uh, so you might be able to hear the construction. There's a pile driver across the street where they tore down a building where Blake and them used to go back and cast. Yep. Uh, they tore it down, and now they're putting two 20-story buildings, you said?
0: That's what I hear. I don't know. You never know the construction rumors until they until they start going up. Yeah. But it's going to be something over there that's, that's a lot bigger than what was there before. So.
1: There are construction cranes, and there are lanes blocked off. Mm-hmm. 440 is a mess.
0: Hopefully it, that wraps up soon. Yeah. And, yeah.
1: It looks like it's getting closer. We'll see.
0: They did a pretty good job on it.
1: Well, we're sitting inside, inside Fly South, and we're in the media room uh, where they show movies, I guess? Yeah, the, the shop used to be
0: an old uh, kind of high-end home theater store. Uh, it was divided up into a number of, of little theaters, really, and uh, Jim Morris, who owns the shop, kept one when they renovated the store, and it's a handy place for popping movies on, letting kids hang out. There's a popcorn machine still in the back, so we can round out the experience.
1: So I want to come down here sat one Saturday morning and just watch cartoons like i used to we, we can do that yeah, <laughs> we can hook it up for that some bugs bunny going on yeah well blake uh, thanks for coming out for the podcast uh this one is is going to be pretty close to the normal format but we're going to get kind of technical in some of the things that are going on with tu and some of the things going on possibly with the caney fork uh with the dam repair we may delve into that a little bit so you're the current president of tu Let's talk about that just a second. How in the heck did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh,
0: (laughs) yeah, I've gotten that response from a few people, but it's been, it's really been a great experience. Uh, A number of years ago, uh, middle 2018, I had been on the river on the Candy Fork and noticed some issues that had been present for quite a while. It was especially bad in the middle of that year. And back here at the shop later that day, a few of us were sort of kind of recounting that and discussing the issues and sort of were motivated to finally get to use presence renewed in Mill, Tennessee. It's had a long history here and kind of ebbed and flowed over the years, but. Um, that summer was really a motivating factor to to really fire it up again and as usually happens when, when the group of people that initially stand up and do that, you get assigned with something and when we sat around that table I was the one that uh, that came away as the president, which I'm really happy to do. I'm give my time back to that. I've been fortunate to fish a lot of places and be a lot of places that other people have taken care of and stewarded and it's you know, I think it's my turn to take care of that for a little while here
1: so you went from from perch fishing to the president to you right? right yeah it's a big <laughs> jump yeah was, there were a lot
0: of years between the two but one I think definitely probably still has something to do with the other one so
1: yeah so how did you start fly fishing because that's really what got you kicked off with TU how'd that happen
0: yeah I grew up in Memphis uh, outside Memphis and developed a duck hunting habit there late in high school and college and my dad had got into fly fishing and it seemed like a pretty good way to spend the other 10 months a year outside duck season it it definitely offered some warmer opportunities and so my earliest fly fishing experience was uh, eastern, Arcan- uh, eastern arkansas northern arkansas the white river the little red river the Norfolk with him so it kind of pushed out the duck hunting habit and took over and people have said over the years you know you're, you don't choose your passions as much as they choose you and i think it's really a truism now i think you never know what's going to kind of influence your life and it's taken me to some cool places and um, i've been really fortunate to, to fish a lot of places and see a lot of awesome things for it
1: memphis folks tend to gravitate towards the white and the little red over in that area. I'm actually from Memphis as well. Yeah. And uh, I would go fish on the white with my grandfather and my Mm -hmm. uncle and a couple friends of the family and they they kept talking about I want to come to the Caney Fork because they would hear about it as well.
0: Right. Back in kind of the heyday there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which which is kind of what we're looking at for again was the the, I'm using air quotes here, the heyday of the Caney. And in all fairness and for full disclosure, there have been some dam repairs going on uh,
0: Very necessary. Nothing, nothing that was overreaching or anything. It's something that needed to happen.
1: Yeah, I listen, I love to listen to the people like, "Hey man, you know what? If they would, if they would fix the dam, you know, we wouldn't have this problem. I don't know why they have the water so low, right? You know, well, because they're fixing the dam, right? It's better if they go ahead and fix it than flood out everything below it. For sure. I bottom-lined it there, but really when you get to it, I would rather them fix it than me be on it one day or, you know, I've, I've got friends that live days. below it.
0: Yeah, you're in the dam pool below Center Hill, you get the scale and the magnitude of the water being held back, and it's something you want to make sure is structurally sound and responsibly maintained. So.
1: As with all dams. For sure. <laughs> so we were talking earlier about the water quality, that sort of thing, and I can think of a couple years where they were working on the dam, but the water quality was really pretty good. I mean, we had some good summers. Mm -hmm. Even late in the summer, it was good. But other years, still working on the dam, the late summer water quality, like last year, it was lacking. That's Mm -hmm. probably the best Mm -hmm. way to put it. And I think that that if you look back in the spring and early January, February, March, April, some of May, if you don't get a great big rain event then and you have kind of a drought, the fishing seems to be a little better.
0: Cold water storage is a major factor. Those years, and it has twenty sixteen 2016, 2015, you can remember some fairly recent years that fish health was better, fish numbers were better. Those are years that coincided with, you know, these deluges we've had 2019, 2018. It just necessitates flood control that runs a lot of that cold water storage out. I think hopefully moving forward with that lake returning to normal pool scheduled to return this year, that cold water storage should be less impacted moving forward.
1: With your work with T E do you delve into that kind of thing with the core to get to know that because I'm sure you get a lot of questions around that.
0: Yeah it's one of the factors I mean it's it's definitely I think if you were going to ask any team member anybody familiar with that in the mid-state that the number one thing they're going to ask you about is is the water level and the water temperature in the Caney fork there's some other aspects beyond that that affect habitat and health those are the, the two hot spots primarily especially over the last 10 years primarily over the last three or four.
1: We've we've suffered through some years and it'd be like kind of a, a Slow summer, but then it would get pop right back, and like, yeah, hey, that was just you know maybe the fish were somewhere else, and that sort of thing, but if if it lingers, the conversation starts bubbling up totally, and as it bubbles up, people start talking more mm-hmm. and more, which is exactly. What happened to you with T U, isn't it? That's
0: exactly how <laughs> we have found ourselves in this position. Yeah. And there's some other aspects of it. I think that um TU's a recognizable brand. It's got a lot of history. A lot of people have had have been members over the years, have had family members be members. So it's um it's it's got a really well-rounded mission. It's been an avenue for us to draw some attention to these issues locally, but TU has a multifaceted mission. And they work on some national issues, some some wildlife, some wild place protection, ecosystem protection all over the country, Alaska. The west is primarily where people think their money goes for TU, but a lot of that does stay here locally. Pebble Mine is probably the most recognizable national issue right now. The protection of Bristol Bay is is a main focus of TU nationally, but we do have some hyper local work going on here from an education and conservation stewardship angle as well. I
1: think I've been, I don't know, guilty of this or, or however you want to put it of saying, uh, you know what, to you, I see all this stuff that they're doing, but I don't see any of it in my backyard. But right. now I do. Now I see y'all We're here. you, and, you and, and the and the rest of the group are, are really pushing to talk with the core. You know, once the once the once the dam is Mm-hmm. situated and straightened out that y'all are talking with the core trying to trying to give some input for the for the anglers, not just fly fishermen either. Correct.
0: And you know, we, we really like to focus our message on habitat and stewardship. So take care of the fish, the fishing takes care of itself is kind of the old the old line. And one of the main aspects of the renewed presence of TU here in Middle Tennessee is rebuilding some of the communication channels that had previously existed between the Corps of Engineers, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency, TWRA, TU, had all been in communication and had worked closely together, you know, the dam the dam work that we're talking about has been going on for more than 10 years. So there, there have been periods of that where those groups were closely aligned and, and more, more communication was a very regular thing. And the lack of that communication introduced some of the issues and there just wasn't a lot of attention being drawn to issues far enough ahead of time to head them off at the pass. Middle of 2018, one of our main goals was to have the Corps of Engineers, T-T-W-R-A, sort of in communication, singing from the same songbook and highlighting some issues that while they may not be core priorities, are with within The core's ability to affect and find common ground to do those things. So,
1: we've got folks like I, I know a group of folks from Atlanta that like to come up and fish, and they're actually part of a chapter down there, the Cahuta chapter. They're that's right. a, a strong, strong group down there. Yeah, there's uh,
0: three chapters in greater Atlanta area, and they're it's a large presence,
1: right? Yeah. And, you know, there's six million people down Correct. there, too, so it's a little different, although it feels like there's six million people, right? In Nashville there may be today. one day. <laughs> But uh, but later we're going to talk about some of the things that we can do, some next steps and that sort of thing yep. to kind of give you some help with some of the things that you're working mm-hmm. on. One of the things that – so after T.U. left, I guess, Nashville, it kind of started right. going down a little bit, I guess is maybe one way to put it.
0: Yeah, it had a long presence, and I think – The nature of those groups generally is that there's a renewing event here and there, and I think we just kind of got to that point with TU. So the Cumberland Chapter has been kind of reinitiated as Music City Trout Unlimited, um, and we are middle 2018. We're almost two years into that effort. So
1: I was a member of TU. Then that happened, and I thought, oh, I'm just going to buy the license plate. Right. So that should support something in Tennessee. That was the way that I looked at it because I wasn't close to any other Place to be a member to where I felt like okay, my money is going to something that benefits me not not necessarily as a guide service, but I thought well this this will this will give some horsepower to something in Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and you know that license plate has been a a, has been a driver in a lot of improvements currently managed by the Tennessee Council. Those funds go to the Tennessee Council. You have to check me on this, but I think it's fifteen dollars from a renewal, seventeen bucks or so from a new registration goes to fund. Efforts throughout Tennessee, typically from Middle Tennessee to East Tennessee, there are quite a few plates in West Tennessee, though. So there's a strong presence for that across the state. Um, but it's been a, it's been a definitely an economic boost for the council and the council's work, which
1: ultimately, hopefully, benefits me in some some ways as an angler.
0: Yeah, it should definitely, and I think I think our presence in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, is going to draw some of that benefit back to our area. And talk to you just briefly on. There's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, namely the Cany Fork, the Elk River. Also, um, is sort of in our geo and and has some things going on there that we're going to be working on as well in the coming years.
1: Okay, good. Good. Did not know about the the work on the Elk. I love the Elk. Great river. I used to I used to go down there. Uh, Whenever I just wanted to get away, right? I would not tell anybody. I'd just get in the car. Tell my wife I'm going fishing, going to the elk. She'd always go, oh, you, you're not taking the boat? No, I'm just going to go down there. I haven't done that in good a Good walk years. in the woods, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then go down there like late on a Sunday afternoon. I went down there one time on a Sunday afternoon, like late. It was almost dark probably by the time I got there, got set up, got out down to what we lovingly refer to as the bend pool. Right. Roll out on that gravel bar, and I'm fishing for probably a good 20, 30 minutes. And it was late fall, and there was nobody I was the only car in the parking lot yeah it was fantastic until the the family of otters rolled in and they didn't fisher hole well yeah I, it was like they were coming in. they didn't circle me but they all kind of lined up in front of me kind of in a half circle and started barking what
0: are you doing here yeah yeah yeah
1: I felt very uncomfortable so I left <laughs> I don't know what they did after that but I just I couldn't no, they were I couldn't focus. I mean, I could I could cast. They wouldn't move. You know, they're a bunch of bullies.
0: No, yeah, it's like you know, you see Canada geese around bass ponds, and they don't they'll run <laughs> yeah. you off a of bass pond. So. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure, right? Yeah. So anyway, so what what else does uh, what else is Tu involved locally? So Music City chapter. And I, this really are all the Tu's kind of the same. They kind of have a basically the same program, or do you?
0: Generally, and there's some oversight or some, some leadership, I should say, from TU National to institute programs locally. Trout in the Classroom is a program I'm very proud of for us. I think we've... Oh, okay. Heard, yeah, it's, there's been a previous presence of it from the last chapter. University School in Nashville here in towns had a long-term Trout in the Classroom presence, and now we have a teacher with Metro Schools, who's heading up our institution of some new classrooms for that. But essentially, it's a program where kids in classrooms are able to raise trout from egg stage to fry and then release them into local waters with a partnership of TWRA. So they're going in the right places to have the best shot at kind of sustainment. But, you know, like many things, if you can if you can get kids involved and get them interested at that stage, it's something that they will hopefully carry with them for life and, and sort of build a base of conservation and a mentality of stewardship that, that they can learn early on. And Trout Unlimited has been really successful with that program now. Nationally. It's been a it's been a really bright spot for TU's efforts.
1: Charity Rudder and I yeah. talked about that in Townsend. As well, if yep. they have trout and then they've had it for a while, trout in the classroom. Time. Yeah,
0: yeah at Little River, Flash, uh, Little River Outfitters in Townsend, there's a trout in the classroom tank example. There, uh-huh. it's a it's a pretty impressive operation. It's a dedicated staff and, and volunteer corps that keeps it going. Power outages that you don't think of, holidays in schools, and you know somebody's got to be there every day, changing water, cleaning. Water. Oh yeah, make right. sure it's cold. So it's not a light undertaking, but it's something I think has a deep impact. So we're proud to have that renewed again here in Nashville and have some schools come in into that program.
1: T works with TWRA.
0: Yeah, so we have a, uh, a board member who's a teacher in Metro Public Schools, and she is going to partner with TWRA kind of on the logistics of that. She's going to start one in her classroom, and hopefully, in the next year or so, we expand that to several other classrooms.
1: Oh, fantastic. Um, it's
0: also a great way to get kind of a trout presence in some non traditional trout areas. So, right. Columbia's had some interest, um, some in Williamson County. So, you know, places that while they're close to the Caney, they may not have ever experienced a trout, trout fishery. Um, seen trout in the wild, so it's a great way to have them kind of understand the life cycle, the ecosystem, and then why it's important to take care of that.
1: TWRA does stock some winter, some trout around Columbia in the winter stocking program, yeah. so yeah. they probably hear I've about heard it. about it yeah. and
0: get a little more real hands-on examples of that. So.
1: I'm sure there's probably more places around the state where where we could get stocked trout and then just leave them and they would be fine and probably reproduce would, yeah. and that sort of thing. If we, I don't know how all that really works. I mean, I've got my theories, but yeah, I think there, so. I think definitely some cold water around this state that hasn't been tapped into. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, it's uh it's definitely an opportunity for kind of outreach and education on that aspect. The
1: more people that know, the more opportunity we end up having in the end definitely which is good for us the angler so as we're going through talking about to you i want to jump back to the to the dam at the, uh to center hill dam this kind of a it's following the same path that probably wolf creek followed it looks like in general not yeah exactly.
0: i'm less familiar with the exact repairs there but there was definitely a period of the same low water water control through wolf creek and you know anybody who's been on the cumberland below wolf creek that fishery is strong it's <laughs> right it's had some it's had some real high water events over the last couple years just for the the rain events in the spring but i think it's a great example of how that fishery can be properly managed and come back from post-repair timing so
1: yeah and i it's it's starting to turn the corner starting here although they're pretty tight-lipped up there
0: yeah you know you got to get on it. it's it's it can be a big river too and you know it's something a little tougher to learn but it's a it's a good example of what we're kind of aiming for over the next few years because i can remember not that long ago when people just wouldn't go to berksville jamestown because it, it wasn't doing well um, and then again, properly managed post dam repair, good water quality, it's a strong fishery again.
1: Right, and I've you know, and I say the Caney is following that uh, with the repairs to the dam. So they're working on the saddle dam right now.
0: Yeah, uh, as I understand it, the main dam repairs have been completed for a good bit now. The saddle dam was finished up late last year. Oh, okay. The impoundment there, they were doing some concrete work, I believe. The schedule has been to complete that structural work end of 2019, and now we have moved on to repair and rehabilitation of the generator turbines in the dam.
1: So they've got one of those up on the top of the dam now just sitting out there. It's pretty good size. Yeah, I saw your picture. It's <laughs> immense. Like yeah. it's, it's
0: a huge piece of metal. Yeah, it's like the size of my
1: SUV. Tall and got a lot of blades. You can see where stuff has been hitting it over yeah. time. Yeah, and out. those
0: I think I may check this but those are the original implementations of the turbines. So the turbines are replacing, those with will be what they call auto-venting turbines. So the baffle, they have baffles in the hubs, and they should improve the dissolved oxygen content in the water that goes through the generation tubes.
1: Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah,
0: that's been one a- aspect of the water quality that, <clears throat> excuse me, has needed to be improved is the dissolved oxygen content. The DO has has had some had some bad swings over the last few years.
1: Right, and then some of that is due to the temperature of the water. Is Correct. that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd... That's the rumor I'd heard. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see if that improves it. It makes sense that she would oxygenate the water and fish would be happier. So if I bottom you line it, think, that's yeah. what I would think. Yeah. <laughs> so the top of the dam, talking about storing cold water, the top of the dam is like 696 feet, almost 700 feet. That's where the... The uh, roadway is. Yep.
0: That's sea level elevation.
1: Yeah. From yep. sea level. Right. Yep. Above sea level, I guess I should say. And then the tailwater itself at, at zero flow is 476 feet above. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, 220 feet difference, I guess. The base of the dam is 446 feet above. So it's 446 from the base. Then the tailwater, top of the tailwater at zero flow or water level, we're going to float your mm-hmm. fly. Is 476 feet, and then the roadway is to 696 feet above sea level. Interestingly, the top of the closed gates, the spillway gates, yep. is five, 685 feet above. So it's about 10, 10 feet below the roadway, and that looks about right. I've yep. seen it from both if you sides. Can see
0: the, if you see that lake when it's really high from the road, it's not, not too far below the road.
1: You mean like today? Yeah,
0: definitely like today yeah and uh, I think the last I checked it earlier today I think the lake elevation was 654 we've had it come up to flood pool with all the rain we've had going through so
1: and they've got like I don't remember how many gates or six gates seven gates something like that there and mm-hmm. you've ever like, seen
0: the spill gates running it's it's immense yeah
1: all but one were running a couple of days ago yeah maybe quite it's a lot few days now yeah yeah so the river's up and nobody's I'm not on it even I'm not on it
0: no, yeah, 22, that's, I think it was running today. So.
1: Yeah, that's a little high for me even. I don't know. It just becomes a fast boat ride after about 13,000. You're just like, Yeah, okay, you got to start watching for bridges at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's not yeah. fun. And you don't want to put your head down to tie a fly on because you're 100 yards down the river before you even get there. Yeah,
0: I won't name them here, but I know I know guys have floated it at, uh, at those extremely <laughs> high levels, and it, I don't think that it was as fun as they thought it was No, really. it's not as no. fun as
1: what you think. It's not, absolutely not. So the powerhouse is at five hundred and twenty-five feet, so that's that's right there, and you can see it. That's what it says, Center Hill, on it, yep. where all the windows are. If
0: you're facing the dam from the riverside on the right,
1: there's about two hundred feet worth of stuff that you can mm-hmm. see there from the from the water level all the way up to the top of the roadway. And there's cold water storage in there, which is really what we're looking for. Correct. More which of I, that. I look at it now and, and see the the water coming over the spill gates, and that's water that's just falling. That's not as bad as running, you know, three generators. Mm-hmm. all winter long at least right. they're taking water off the top and right. the small my small brain says that maybe that's a better thing the lesser of two evils best thing is to store it all yep. starting in november and and come May. up with exactly the right math to make it work when right it's, when september get rolls around
0: and so what we've had what we've seen over the last 10 years or more they've held it down 20 feet uh so we've been at 628 and we should be somewhere in summer pool at 648 so that's again 20 feet of water and if it familiar with center hill it's a it's a sizable reservoir so 20 feet of water and that provides quite a bit of cold water storage from the inflow at the back of great falls dam up to center hill dam
1: so i'm opt- cautiously optimistic raising the water level back up to where where we want it once the dam's fixed number one the dam will be fixed let's start there the dam will be fixed probably be a little bit of work going on around yep. it for a year or two or mm-hmm. whatever raise the lake back up some good cold water storage that gives us another 20 feet uh, throughout the lake which is quite a bit. That's I couldn't do the math, but I'm sure no, somebody. We've
0: tried and it's a whole
1: lot of water. Yeah, right. That's where, that's where yeah. I end up. Yeah, that's yep. a lot of water. Okay. That and then some uh, baffles on the turbines. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that over the next couple of years, fishing can get nothing but better once we get the lake back to where it needs to be.
0: I agree. And you know, one thing we've, we've chatted about here a lot in the shop with folks that come through is tailwaters generally sort of are looked at versus wild fish. But the benefit of a tailwater is properly managed. You can restore it probably quicker than you can some wild fisheries. So hopefully with the, the aspects of being able to control the dissolved oxygen, being able to control the inflow, being able to control the cold water storage in a better way, we see some of those years and then not too distant past and the candy fork that would probably support that fishery much better
1: i remember my very first trip down it with with folks one of them was it was a, oh it was a, a son-in-law father-in-law uh, larry was the father-in-law and he had he had lost both legs he was a he was, wow. he was a vet and james with his son-in-law of course larry, larry just sat in front of the boat and we started on high water one at that time generation one generator was was high water for for doing a trip mm-hmm. now it's not quite as intimidating as what it probably once was but Larry just sat up there and we threw streamers and he was a rod builder he was a longtime That's fly really cool. tire a longtime angler so he would sit up there and he just threw streamers and I mean he killed it or about killed it yeah and and James kind of struggled a little bit because he had just really kind of started I mean he he'd fished some, but he hadn't hadn't had certainly hadn't had the years of experience that Larry had but uh they turned the water off, and we were maybe a mile down the river and when they turned the water off, it came to life. We caught a carp, yeah, and then it was right after this carp it's amazing i can yeah. I can still remember this trip' cause it was it was such a good trip but i they caught over sixty fish that was that was our that was our tale. We caught over sixty fish, or they did I didn't catch any. They caught over sixty fish, that's and that a was day. a normal day at that time. But
0: and some size, and you know, you used to see yeah. a variety of you know year class fish in there, and, and some sustainment that you could track over a period of years. Which down the road from today, that's really our goal with to you here locally is to be able to get back to a stocking and management strategy with TWRA, where we can rely on good water, distribute fish through the through the river, track the ecosystem, track recruitment, track sustainment. Um, and get back to those days, like you're talking about.
1: Yeah, that's my measuring stick, and I've had better days than that. But that's going to be my measuring stick. When it gets back to that, when you can, when you can get a couple of folks—one, one's a really good angler, and one's still learning—and they're doing that well, and you're catching, mm-hmm. like you said, there's some nice fish mixed in. There's some small ones in there.
0: There's always going to be, but you got to have the small ones to get to the big ones.
1: So. And. and- let's face it I mean that keeps us entertained until we get there right yeah I'm, I'm, I'm all about catching some small fish in between the big ones Heck, yeah, yeah and Who you know,
0: years ago if you know where to look you could find a sulfur hatch or here or there, yeah. you can find a cast hatch here or there and you could you, I'd sit there and catch small fish on dry flies all day it's just watching them eat. and those are still there those aren't yeah. gone so if we can have that river health come back and have those fish spread out through the river where there's cold water for 20 miles instead of six miles or eight yeah. miles there's a lot of habitat there that can, can be really trout sustaining farther down the river like a Used
1: to be. I've sat in a pocket of sunlight that was as, as big as the as big as the boat, probably maybe not even quite that big, and just flies right, hatch popping right. off and casting flies in there to them. And it's just because the sun was there and it was the, just the right time, and it was it was really really good fishing dry flies. Yeah, nobody was really doing that yeah. that would talk about it. Uh, <laughs> but you know that sort of thing going on downstream where there's some different types of hatches going on. And there's right. you're right, they're still down there. I mean, you you can float that lower section. now Not the lowest lower section, but probably 15 miles down Mm -hmm. to about 20. And there's plenty of hatches going on down there. Yeah, it
0: used to be, you know, it was a little bit before me, but when the the water was very cold at Stonewall, and that's, Uh what is that, 13? Yeah. Yeah, somewhere that far down, you know, you can get really cold water down there. And there's a lot of things that live in that river that need cold healthy water you know if you you mentioned carp one of the wildest days i can remember is mid-april and watching a buffalo spawn uh, run way up from the cumberland and my wife was floating the river with me and i had the oars in the water and the anchor down and and carp were hitting the oars i mean you could walk across their backs and you know i i focus on the trout in that river but there's a lot of a lot of things living off that ecosystem that that Cold, healthy water really is sustaining for. So it's got multiple benefits beyond that. So,
1: yeah, that buffalo run is a blast. It's wild. It's, uh, you can take a black and silver clouser. Yeah. And spend all day just catching 10, 15 pound fishes. I don't know. They're, they're probably close to that.
0: Yeah, they can be. And, uh, there's some, there's some, that's a whole nother podcast for carp talk, but yeah some wild stories about that <laughs> in Middle Tennessee. So I know some, some Brentwood shopping center retaining ponds that have held some giants. So, uh, uh, uh,
1: yeah. We've talked a little bit about TU, your upbringing. Yep, a West Tennessee boy.
0: West Tennessee, flat <laughs> as it can be over there. And <laughs> yeah. Came over here to the hills.
1: Yeah, this is this is big hills to us. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you first see them, uh, and then we we talked a little bit about well, quite a bit about the dam and the dam repairs on the on Center Hill. There's some upcoming meetings with with TU, mm-hmm. with Music City TU, and some of the folks that around the the dam there. Can you talk just a little bit about maybe what's coming up? Yeah,
0: and this is one of those partnerships that was really a positive benefit of renewing the chapter. Um TWRA TU have had a long, close relationship. A lot of folks at TWRA have been members of TU. You know, they're they're very kind of oriented to the outdoors. The new benefit that's been a good partnership in the last uh, year or so is Tennessee Wildlife Federation has some, is what I consider to be a stakeholder in the issue as well. And they've been very helpful in sort of helping align some parties. So it's the combination of the Army Corps of Engineers, Trout Unlimited, TWRA, and Tennessee Wildlife Federation having come together in the fall and hopefully again in the spring with really the effort to kind of get to a... Solution that works for all the stakeholders involved. Anybody who was present in 2010 for the flood or is familiar with the national flood, you know, I don't envy the Corps of Engineers' job. They have a hard job in normal operating circumstances. I think there's probably benefits that they can provide to the to the situation with the advocacy from Child Unlimited, from TWF, and with the management partnership of TWRA. That's really our goal: is just to make sure those groups are talking, make sure those groups are doing everything they can and their you know normal abilities to support that fishery through water quality and water levels
1: so all everybody has their boundaries totally if we can work within the boundaries then hopefully we're all going to be better off. Right,
0: right. And, I, you know, I don't think we're we're not asking for, in my opinion, major changes to operational issues or anything like that. It, it's really finding out what we can all do within our normal operating boundaries to, first of all, affect the water levels, the water quality, which is really a core partnership. Right. Um, and then the downriver management of that fishery with TWRA. It's
1: a good way, succinct way to put it. What can the average person do? Uh, so let's talk about joining TU. Right. Let's talk about, just talk about it in general. Yeah. How, how do I do that? Um,
0: so everyone who joins Trout Let Me, join nationally, and you get assigned to a local chapter based on your geography, your address, your zip code. If you want to join us, we've made it fairly easy. You go to musiccitytu.com slash join, and the steps are laid out right there. It's a quick click over to the TU main website where you can pay 35 bucks and it's an annual membership. We get a large portion of that back to us directly to the Music City chapter to work on these issues with the core with TWRA. Um, that will impact your fisheries here locally.
1: If you're in, in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, wherever there's a TU, right? We're not we're not trying to steal sheep here. So right. if you're if you're there and you don't fish in Middle Tennessee, we totally get it. But I've got the license plate now. I'm going to go back and renew my membership. Thanks for the link that you sent to me. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do that. I, I wouldn't have done it if I don't think I would have done it yet. If I hadn't sat here and talked to you. Of the folks out there listening are considering joining to you if they haven't already, if you're not already a member uh, and you're in an area where you think you might, you know, it's not necessarily just your money, right? So many people say, ah, you know, I'll give you some money and I, I'm guilt, as guilty as anybody, you know, I'm raising yep. my hand as yep. well. But what else can, what else can folks do?
0: Well, in, in the coming months, I'm sure that we're going to need your advocacy as well. As we start to reach out to the core stakeholders, some other potentially legislative stakeholders to really make our voices heard when we support these issues or these changes that need to happen. You know, there's 800 members of Trout Unlimited in Middle Tennessee. It's not a small group, and if we get together with the additional voices you want to join us, I think we're really going to be able to move that needle and draw some attention to these issues in a way that would provide some long-term solutions.
1: And knowing that you've done some, so everybody can write, everybody can send emails and that sort of thing, but there's some work, some groundwork that's being set now. Right. So that's the way I look at it. Y'all are doing your part. Things that you've said you're going to do, you're going to do. Those will be done. Then you'll come back to a group of anglers and say, hey, we've already done this, 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 mm-hmm. and this. Now we just need some more horsepower behind exactly. it. Exactly. Which is really exactly. what you're looking for and in a situation. And
0: again, that's the current issue. That's the, the hot button issue that most people are going to think of. We're also going to do quite a few sort of community activities. We had a majorly successful Harpeth River cleanup in downtown Franklin. I think we took out 2,500 pounds of trash out of the Harpeth one Saturday last fall. We're going to do that again this year. We're going to get down to the elk. There's hopefully some landowner outreach to be done on the elk, I think. You know, by providing some stewardship of their land, their river access, um, and making some inroads back to, to that fishery from an access standpoint, from a stewardship standpoint there, you know, it's an important fishery that needs to be taken care of in our area as well.
1: It's a little gem that I yeah. enjoy. I enjoy going down there. I enjoy fishing. It. And, you know, if you don't do anything else, pick up a piece of trash and take it out with Definitely. you. Sometimes that helps about as much as anything, really. Definitely. But, um,
0: we do hold quarterly meetings. You know, you may be familiar with other groups like this or the old Trout Unlimited chapters that had monthly meetings and we find that you know we have a little more purpose in our quarterly meetings so you can find that schedule uh, at musiccitytu.com as well. There's an events tab there that will publish details for upcoming meetings, clinic, cleanups, river, we're going to have a fall event that would be more of a trout days for some conservation educational opportunities. So yeah, the hub of, of where you can find our stuff, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook but musiccitytu.com is, is going to be the informational hub for that.
1: I'll, I'll put that in as we like to call it, show notes. Yeah. Like that really means something. I'm not even really sure what that means, honestly. Oh, the old
0: po- podcast show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Podcast show notes. It yeah. sounds
1: pretty cool, but I don't know. Put it in. Put a link in there. Uh You can probably find it on my website as well. So let's. before we go, I want to ask you to – you've heard about Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Four presidents on the oh, Facebook. Oh, man. Uh, we're not going to ask you who the presidents are. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I should know that. <laughs> (laughs) We are going to, however, we are going to ask you that if you had to pick four major rivers, Caney can't be one of them. them. Those two can't be because you've already, we've already talked about that. But I want to know, what would your four best, biggest rivers be if you're going to put them on the face of a mountain?
0: You know, like I said, I'm I'm a little bit Southwest Montana focused. So, you know, the Missouri River at Craig on a, on a, summer evening is probably hard to beat from a draft fly standpoint the, the white river because i think it's not quite east of the mississippi but it's pretty close and i think for something in the eastern u.s it's it's hard to beat from a variety of fish size length
1: let me let me throw another curveball at you has to be in the southeast since this is southeastern fly all
0: right so, so we've
1: got the white i'm going to count that as the southeast just right, because yeah i've got the on and off button here
0: all right so the southeast it's going to be the white river the south Holston, i think When you hit the South Holston right, they get grouped together with the Watauga credit bit, but I think the South Holston, for my money on the right day, is the best dry fly fishing you can find. That sulfur hatch there is pretty legendary. I fished the Davidson River in North Carolina a couple years ago. It was a a pretty neat river. I had never been on it before, and it was different than I expected. You get outside Asheville a little bit and get a little peace and quiet on the Davidson. Um, It's one of them. One more. Where else?
1: There's a lot of water around the southeast too. I mean, that yeah, goes all the way down into you know, Florida. It doesn't have to be necessarily. You
0: know, I, I will say a a day on a on a skiff <laughs> somewhere between Destin and Tampa, yeah. a little bit off the coast. You know, a, a tarpon a tarpon day I'm never going to pass that up. I, I'll be down there a couple weekends this summer. And you know, as far as percentage fishing goes, it's not the way to go. But man, when it works out, it's it's pretty unbelievable. So, um, and it's not a not a bad part of the world to spend some time in. So.
1: No, it's usually pretty nice down So, there. Yeah.
0: The panhandle, the white, South Holston and the Davidson. Yeah. They're kind of variety of things you can find in those. Also, let me throw I'll throw a bonus one in there. <laughs> a winter red fishing trip in the south part of Louisiana cannot be missed. I think True. you need to you need to do that for sure. Yeah, we were down there
1: in December. This is what is this, February? We yeah. were down there in December and just the food was fantastic. The fish were big. Yeah, was
0: pretty and, you know, good. it's a pretty. It's a pretty uh, unique way to fly fish. It's. It, I won't say it's easy, but it's one of those places where. If, if you're, if you're not a long caster, you can catch some big fish. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, we got into some tight spots and Yeah, just hemmed the fish up. <laughs>
0: yeah, <And> they'll, <laughs> to they eat, they'll eat too. Yeah. So it's pretty fun.
1: Yeah, I like they're, they're my kind of fish. Some of them are big and some of them are dumb and some of them are big and dumb. And right. That's, that's the kind of fish I like. They're fun. Well, Blake, I appreciate you coming out, man, or inviting us down to, to fly south and appreciate Jim. Yeah,
0: thank you for uh, coming down here. In. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: And for the listener out there, if you'll subscribe to the podcast, that that helps us out. That helps expose us to more people. Most of all, tell your friends. Word of mouth, telling friends, that's how really how these things spread uh, and and get noticed. We're not really looking to sell anything here, but we do want to tackle some issues that are connected to the southeast in general, not necessarily just Nashville. This one was about about the waters around Music City, but we've had some discussions about stuff around Atlanta and and other parts of Georgia. We'll we'll be over in East Tennessee uh, this weekend talking to some folks over there so it's not necessarily connected right to the south to uh the nashville area we try to get out we want to get out into some of the other states but if you word of mouth that's what that's what makes this engine run uh, we appreciate everybody coming out blake thanks again uh, thank you david appreciate you having us and uh for listening. listener see you next time